as we, uh, as we have done in the past few weeks, we're going to read our passage for today three times. So please don't sit down after the first reading. This is Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is the word of our God. You may be seated. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, just first, I wanted to say thank you to our pastors and our elders, uh, just for this opportunity to bring the word of God to you, my brothers and sisters, my friends and family. Uh, thank you for those who have been praying for me, who have encouraged me uh, leading up to today. Uh, it means a lot. It means a lot to know that I'm not alone in this journey. So thank you. Uh, today, we're going to continue in our series in uh, looking at this Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we're just in the beginning of it. And in this sermon, uh, especially these Beatitudes, Jesus paints a picture of what it looks like to live the good life. As Malcolm and the Slim have shown us so far, uh, the first two things that consist of living the good life are being poor in spirit and mourning. You know, these are two things that we don't immediately think of when it comes to living the good life. And it's no different today with our beatitude. Blessed are the meek. The meek. How many of, uh, of us heard the word meek recently? Anybody? Oh, okay, we got a few. Now, how many of us have used it recently? Meek and its noun form meekness are not commonly used words. And oftentimes, meekness is misunderstood. People think that meekness is weakness. In preparation for this sermon, I asked my wife, hey, what do you think of when you hear the word meek? And her answer was, piglet. That's right, piglet from Winnie the Pooh. Piglet is a tiny, timid, weak character whose favorite phrase is, oh dear. While I didn't think of Piglet, I also thought of a small animal, like a mouse, or of somebody who is frail and quiet and a little bit hunched and always standing on the side. But meekness is not weakness. So what is it? What is meekness? See, meekness is about an attitude towards God that's reflected in our actions toward others. Meekness is submission to God reflected in strength under control. Let me say that again. Meekness is submission to God reflected in strength under control. The word meek in the original language described a wild horse that was tamed. It's this idea of the horse being controlled by the bit and bridle. The horse submits to its master. It goes right when it's told to go right. It speeds up and stops at its master's command. So when Jesus talks about meekness, he has submission in mind. More specifically, submission to God. 
Submission to God is saying no to self and yes to God. Submission to God means obedience to God. For some of us, that doesn't sound so bad. But for others here, when you hear the words submission to God, you hear a distressing word and feel vibes of deprivation. Submission is a tainted word. It's a word stained with abuse and misused. It's been used and is used to manipulate people to do things that are not right and not good. Furthermore, we live in a society that believes that human flourishing is found in having the power to do whatever we want, to be able to answer to nobody but me. In the business world, they sum up this idea in four words. Be your own boss. Be your own boss. But submission to God stands in stark contrast. The meek submit to God. For some of us, submission to God feels like having a boss whose favorite phrase starts with, do not. Some of us have grown up in churches and in homes where submitting to God was made to feel and seem more like a curse than a blessing. Doing what God commanded seemed to deprive you of what made everyone else happy. While others were living the good life, we were living the deprived life. And it's fair to feel that way because submitting to God does involve loss. And this is even clearer as we look at what it means to be meek in relationship to people. Now, I just want to stress again as we look at what meekness looks like when we relate to one another, that it, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not being a pushover or a doormat who lets people walk all over them. According to the Bible, meekness presupposes strength. Meekness and strength are intimately connected. As we see in Numbers 12.3, Moses was considered the meekest man in the world during his lifetime. And if we know a little bit about Moses, we know that Moses was anything but weak. See, Moses was a shepherd, and shepherds back then had to be rough and tough. They needed physical strength to corral sheep and protect them from wild beasts. Moses was also a powerful leader and a spokesperson for God. He had immense influence on people, and his words carried weight. Moses was both meek and strong. Again, meekness is not weakness. Rather, meekness is about how a person uses his or her strength. See, a meek person is not like that green, that big green Marvel superhero named the Hulk. The Hulk often loses control of his strength and just smashes everything, both friend and foe. But meekness is strength under control. And this control, this strength under control has two parts to it. That first part is restraint. Restraint. 
And more specifically, restraining your anger. To restrain something is to hold it back, to keep it under control. So think of a seatbelt. We wear a seatbelt because it helps us, uh, it prevents us from falling out of our seat when we're driving through bumpy roads or making a sudden stop. Or think of the yellow lines on the road. It restrains us from going to the other side so that we wouldn't drive into each other. So meekness is restraint. It's keeping your anger under control so that it doesn't express itself in violence to others. Now, this element of meekness didn't jive with the people who were listening to Jesus on that mount. Among the people in the crowds was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, Simon the Zealot. Before becoming a disciple of Jesus, Simon was part of a group called the Zealots. And the Zealots were angry people. They were angry because they could no longer live in the land of their people, of their ancestors. The Zealots were a group of Jews who wanted to take back the Holy Land by violently overthrowing Roman rule. Now, they believed that might made right. They believed that the blessed life is a life lived by any means necessary, even murder, to get what I want. They believed that it's blessed to take matters into my own hands. Simon was most likely not the only zealot there. There were probably some others and people who were sympathetic to their cause. So when Jesus said, blessed, that the blessed life is the meek life, they did a double take. They had a hard time believing what Jesus just said. Keep in mind that the zealots weren't angry, again, for no good reason. They were angry because they were victims of war and injustice. See, the Romans didn't politely ask the Jews to take over their land. They took it by force. While we might not agree with their methods, we can empathize with the zealots and their disbelief over Jesus' words. We too would have a hard time seeing how it's blessed to restrain our feelings when we are victims of injustice. When someone does wrong against you, how many of us think this, that man, I would be so much happier to release my feelings than to restrain them? I confess that I would rather let loose than to hold back. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who restrain their anger from expressing itself in violence. Now, violence here, I, I don't want us to think violence is just uh, hurting someone physically, but it has to do with any behavior that is meant to harm or hurt. So meekness looks like this. It looks like stopping yourself from yelling, that's not fair, when your sister or your brother gets something and you don't. 
It's not tailgating or high-beaming or speeding up to glare at the person or give the finger to the person who cuts you off in traffic without warning. It's not screaming or speaking harshly to your kids who did the thing that you told them not to do five times in the last minute. It's choosing not to use sarcasm against the person who just slighted you. It's not gossiping about someone who took the credit for the work that you did and the promotion that you deserved. Meekness is holding back when you have every right to hit back. It's to choose and to refuse to not live with an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth mentality. Meekness is submission to God resulting in restraint. Psalm 37 verses 7 through 8 helps us connect that God word and man word thrust of meekness. It connects how submission to God and restraint are two sides of the same coin. Psalm 37 verses 7 and 8 read, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. This passage shows us how meekness is both submission to God and strength under control. See, being still before the Lord and waiting patiently for him is an expression of submission to God. It's saying, I'm not going to do what I feel like doing at this very moment, which is to take matters into my own hands, to right the wrong the way I want it. Instead, it's saying, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that you will take care of this in your way, in your time. So meekness is letting go of this need to control the situation, control everything, and keeping your anger under control so that it doesn't express itself in violence. One of the clearest pictures of this is the nonviolent resistance of the civil rights movement. Inspired by Christ's example and his words, members of this movement, such as Martin Luther King Jr. and Fannie Lou Hamer, epitomized meekness. They chose restraint in the form of nonviolence in the face of gross injustice and dehumanizing evil. They waited on the Lord to do something and refrained from responding to violence with violence. They restrained their anger while people yelled insults into their ears and poured spit and hate-laden drinks over their heads and sicked vicious dogs on them. Now, how many of us would call that blessed? But the nonviolent movement also shows us the other component of strength under control. Not only is it restraint, but meekness is also using your strength, not for yourself, but for others. 
Meekness is using your energy, your influence, and your resources to care for those who are in need. See, the men and women who protested nonviolently didn't just merely restrain their anger. They spent their wages, their time, and their well-being to bring justice to the disadvantaged, the disenfranchised, the weak, and the oppressed. Meekness is using our strength for the service of others, especially for those who are in need and who are weak. Look, the world celebrates acts of kindness and service. But meekness is not just a few good acts. Meekness is a posture. It's a posture of being on the lookout for people in need and serving them. And this outward posture, this outward-looking posture is antithetical to the picture that the world sells us, to the picture of the good world, that, the good life that the world would want us to eat up. See, we're told to treat ourselves with the money that we have and the time that we have, to put my needs above everyone else's. See, advertisements, uh, we're bombarded every day by advertisements and messages that tell us to look inward, to, to be all about me. They, they play on our fear of missing out and encourage us to consume the world's goods for my benefit. So the world says that the good life is the me, me, me life. But Jesus says that the good life, that the blessed life is the meek life. See, the world says, speak first. And Jesus says, be quick to listen. The world says, spend your time pursuing your hobbies. But Jesus says, spend your time helping the homeless. The world says, buy bigger and better toys. Jesus says, give it away. So, so far, in our examination of meekness, it seems like that being meek is not the blessed life, but that being meek is the deprived life. It seems like a lot of sacrifice and loss, and it is. Meekness means letting go of whatever you want, whenever you want it, however you want it. So the question is why? Why did Jesus say that the blessed life is the meek life? Now Jesus' answer is this. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Did you catch it? Jesus worded this promise very deliberately. See, Jesus didn't say, blessed are the meek, for they will take the earth, or that they will earn the earth. No. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. See, what Jesus invites us to is not to use our might to take it or our energy to earn it, but Jesus says, here, I'm going to give it to you as an inheritance. So that is why. He's able to say, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. 
But for some of us, this inheriting the earth bit sounds a little bit odd. We're like, well, I don't know what that means. But the people, the crowd did. This crowd that was listening to Jesus at that moment were mostly made up of Jews. And so when he said that word that we translate in English as earth, they knew that that was pointing to something specific. And that thing was the promised land. So the promised land for them represented an end to exile, an end to living in a place that they could not call home. The promised land is a place where people dwell with God and are able to live under his rule, his love, and his, uh, his care. It's a place where war is no more and where wrongs are made right. It was what the people in the crowd longed for. And it's what you and I, what we long for. Christians refer to this promise as the new heavens and the new earth or eternal life. So the promise for the meek is this, that they will have a loving relationship with God now and forevermore. It's the ability to call God Abba, Father, and Lord of Lords. It's to have the security to know that the God who created the universe and cares for it right now knows our name and the number of hairs on our head. In Matthew 6, Jesus brings this blessing to the meek into focus. Jesus says these words in Matthew 6, 26, and verses 8, 28, and 30 to encourage people to serve him, to serve God. Jesus says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Then in verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So will you submit to God today? The reason why the blessed life is the meek life is that the meek submit to a God who knows their every need and has the power and passion to meet them. Now, some of you at this point might still be on the fence uh, about the fact that the, the blessed life is the meek life. You might be wondering, Tom, all that sounds good. All that you said eh, sounds good, but you know what? Looking at birds in the air and the grass in the field, it just ain't cutting it for me. How do I really know? How do I really know that God's going to come through? Well, I'm glad you asked because you're not alone. See, the people listening to Jesus at the Sermon on the Mount, they too had their doubts. Even the 12 disciples. But what convinced them that it is blessed to be meek is what they witnessed in the last days 
of the person who was preaching on that mount. Jesus took three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, to be with him, to pray with him, and support him in a moment of deep agony and grief. And the three disciples, they saw it in Jesus' face. Something wasn't right. Something was bothering him. And their suspicion was confirmed when Jesus said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. In the garden at Gethsemane, every fiber of Jesus' being screamed, don't do it! Save yourself! Do what's best for you. But Jesus, the model of meekness, said to God the Father, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, not as I will, but as you will. And soon after this prayer, soldiers came to arrest Jesus on false church charges. And instead of unleashing 72,000 angels to protect them in that moment with a snap of a finger, Jesus went with the soldiers like a lamb to the slaughter. When the soldiers mocked and spat on him, Jesus kept his mouth closed. When they struck him, he did not strike back. Instead, Jesus used his strength to serve others. Even as he was enduring the greatest injustice in history, he was on the lookout, scanning the scene to see if someone was in need. As he was hanging on that cross, he got the attention of one of his disciples and, and told him, hey, take care of my mother. His mother Mary at that point was a widow and a woman of old age. And with the last vestiges of his strength, with labor breathing, and every muscle aching in his body, Jesus prayed. He prayed for the people who nailed him to that cross. And he prayed, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. So this is how we know. This is how we know that God's promise to the meek is not just some wishful thinking. But God, who did not spare his one and only beloved son, gave him up for you and me. We know because of this that God will surely, will surely give us all things. So that when we hear Jesus say, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, we can be sure that his promise will be kept. And so, I want to encourage you, Mosaic, to pursue meekness. It's very easy during this season of Christmas uh, to get caught up in me, to think about your uh, gift list and, and to do what's best for you, to slip in a mindset of me, me, me. But let us be meek. Let us use our resources, our time, and our energy to help those in need. Maybe it's one less present for me so that someone else might have one. 
Maybe it's inviting someone you know who is lonely, who is hungry, over for Christmas dinner. Whatever it is, church, let us be meek. And let us in this season believe that blessed are the meek because they will surely inherit the earth. Let's pray.